Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I invite you to find your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. As you're turning there, it was the Sunday before Christmas. There was a little boy and his slightly older sister. They were singing their favorite Christmas carol for the church. They were singing Silent Night. And as they reached the end of the song, the boy, he concluded his version of the song with these words. Sleep in heavenly beans. To which his sister promptly elbowed him and said, no, not beans, it's peas. I've got to say, the way that so many people feel this time of year, by the time we finally are all ready for the Christmas holiday, that song might as well end with beans or peas because so many of us, we don't have peace at that point. Many times in the frantic rush we have to get everything done in our lives, the peace of the season simply eludes us. There is no peace. The Christmas season, it should bring us peace. It should bring us joy and warmth within our hearts. But instead, for many people, it often brings stress and headaches and depression. The holiday stress, it often makes what should be, as the old song says, the most wonderful time of the year, it makes it a miserable, miserable mess. I often hear people say, I can't wait for Christmas to get over so I can finally relax again. I tried to compile a list of all the different things that we could do during the holidays, and I'm pretty sure this isn't a comprehensive list of everything that can be done. It's just some of the potential things that we do this time of year, things that can and do contribute to the stress of the season. If any of these ring a bell with you, just know it is the Salvation Army's red kettle season. So bells are ringing out there every time you go in and out of Walmart, right? But there was no holiday pun intended there, I promise you. Now the things that we spend our time doing during the holiday season is what? We're shopping for gifts. We're getting all the necessary holiday parties. We're getting to them. You know, we're putting up the decorations. Maybe we're cooking a meal. We're wrapping our gifts. We're making enough cookies or pies or bread to have some and give it away. We're buying a tree, setting up the tree, fighting traffic, having enough money to buy the gifts. If you're married, it's figuring out when to celebrate with both sets of parents without offending either. You know, all the stores you get in there and they're out of the gift that you were looking for. How about those three frightening words that we talked about last week? Some assembly required. Maybe it's having the right clothes for those special holiday occasions. Or it's putting on the pounds from all of those Christmas meals, Christmas programs, having to attend them for the kids at church and at school, maybe even the grandkids. It's untangling all those strands of light to get them put back up again. Sending out the Christmas cards, hearing grandma got run over by a reindeer for the 150th time. It's forgetting someone that you should have gotten a gift for. Feeling that pressure to make a memory during the holiday season. Knowing the year, it is coming to an end and you didn't accomplish everything that you wanted to do. It's facing those relatives that you don't really get along with, that you really don't like. Knowing that you'll spend Christmas alone. Maybe it's those three often overlooked words when you're buying gifts this holiday season. Batteries not included. Maybe it's being a part of a family that celebrates separately because of a divorce. Maybe it's the Christmas lights, you plug them in and they just don't work. 
Maybe it's arranging all the traveling schedules, missing loved ones who have passed away, paying off the credit cards, weeding through the crowds at the stores, members of your family who find out where you hid the presents before you wrapped them because they, they just want to know what they were. When we compile lists like this, it's easy to see why the Christmas season is a major period of increased stress for so many people. Does Christ, does he have anything to say to us in the midst of this season of hurry and rush? Well, you better believe he does. Because remember, after all, Christmas is his birthday party. So what does he think about all of this that we do every year? Well, there's a humorous little story that we're going to go through this morning in the Gospel of Luke. It shows us how busyness and stress, how they can get in the way of what matters most in our lives. It wasn't his birthday, but it was a party for Jesus. He was the honored guest here. Please stand in honor of reading God's Word. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I'll be reading verses 38 through 42 this morning. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat there at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning in prayer and praise and just thank you for the truths of your scripture, for the many lessons that we can learn. Lord, as we look at this scripture in light of the holiday season and the, and the things that we focus on and that we do and maybe some things we shouldn't be doing or don't necessarily have to do, Lord, I pray that you'll help us understand how we can remove the stress from our lives and make this be the joyous time of season that it is meant to be as we celebrate your birth, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, let that be the true thing that we focus on this year. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Let me begin this morning with a true story. There was a woman who was doing her last-minute Christmas shopping at a crowded mall. She was tired of fighting the crowds, tired of standing in lines, tired of just fighting her way, looking for those gifts that had sold out, sometimes even days before. Her arms, they were full of all the bulky packages that she was carrying. When the elevator doors opened, the elevator was full, but yet the occupants of the elevator, they grudgingly, they tightened their ranks up to allow a small space in there for this woman and her packages to get on. As the doors closed, this lady, she blurted out, whoever is responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be arrested, strung up, and shot. There was a few others in that elevator that nodded their heads, just grunted in agreement. Yeah, that's right. Then someone from the back of the elevator, somewhere from back there came a single voice that said, don't worry. They already arrested him, whipped him, spat on him, beat him, taunted him, stripped him, nailed him to a cross, and crucified him. And that kind of put everything into the proper perspective for this lady. Now, ladies, let me help you understand us men just a little bit. And, and I know this is a dangerous thing to do because we men like our little secrets and stuff. But let me just help you understand this. According to a report by a British psychologist named David Lewis, he found proof. He found proof, okay? There's proof that shopping is hazardous to men's health. That shopping, it is more stressful for us men. He found this proof. It's more stressful for us than it is for women. Dr. Lewis, he tested both men and women volunteers between the ages of 22 and 79, and he sent them out to do some Christmas shopping. And what he found was that the blood pressure rates of the majority of men, well, <laughs> their rates were that you would expect to see in a fighter pilot about to engage in combat. That's what happens to us men when we go out shopping. In that same test, only one in four women showed any significant signs of stress from shopping. 
But men, I want you to know. I've learned how to take the stress out of the Christmas season, out of all the shopping, and celebrate the season as the peace it is meant to be celebrated in. Now understand, it took me years and years to figure this out, but I've finally got it down to a science. And I'm going to share it with you in case you haven't figured it out as well. Here it is. I let Stephanie do all the Christmas shopping. I don't have any more stress. I let her do all the shopping. That is for everyone except for her. But now I even let her do some of that as well. It's so much less stressful for me that way if I let her do it all. I just let her write down for me what she wants me to get her. And if she hasn't already bought it for herself, well, then I'll get it. Easy peasy, right? Takes all the stress out of the holiday season. Look. You don't have to be related to Scrooge to have some apprehension make its way into your way of thinking, to creep into your thoughts about the family uniting together in hopes of having some cheer during the Christmas holiday. After all, this season, it just comes prepackaged with a certain level of stress. Why do I believe that? Because it's a season that comes with these pretty high hopes and these steep expectations for having a great time, not to mention that long list of things that I covered earlier that many of us just have trouble doing. With all of this that goes on, everything that happens this time of year, it's enough to turn our hopes for happiness and joy into anxiety and worry. The professionals, they created a name for this. They call it seasonal emotional disturbance. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, great, okay. On top of all the holiday stress I have, now I have to worry about this holiday disorder that I have. Yeah, okay, you're right, you do. We may have it. So let's set aside all the psychobabble now, okay? And let's do two things this morning. Let's identify what causes this to become such a stressful time of year. And then we're going to look at the cure for that. And we're going to see how we can minimize the impact of the holiday stress on our lives. We'll do this as we come to understand what Jesus said to Martha about Mary. See, in that it's easy to see that we'll enjoy the holiday season so much more when we simply focus on what is needed. Under number one, to overcome holiday stress, we must understand it. So first, let's look at the problem with stress. Look at the first part of verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. I don't know how you interpret that, but I think, Martha, that she was experiencing some stress in this situation that she was in. Now, understand, stress is the body's alarm system. It can be caused by anything, pleasant or unpleasant, that creates a state of alarm within our internal system. Stress can result from anything that annoys you or threatens you, prods you, excites you, scares you, worries you, hurries you, buries you, angers you, frustrates you, challenges you, criticizes you, and so many different things. Kind of like this rubber band I have up here. I can stretch it, and then it'll return to normal. It's normal, relaxed position. When my external force is removed, it returns back to its normal state. But in a similar manner, you see our body's stress response, it is also stretched when it is subjected to the emergency or demand on you that you're not normally used to. Now, when that demand is off of you, it ought to return to a normal state, to that relaxed state when that demand is gone. However, if it is stretched for too long, what happens? It loses its elastic properties. And then what can happen? It will eventually snap. To make this point, I was actually going to snap this, but I did one in practice yesterday, and it hurt a little worse than I thought it would. So I'm not going to do it today. Now, with our bodies... If it's repeatedly held in that state of alarm, whether it's physically or it's emotionally in your life, it will show damaging consequences in you. What are some of the symptoms of stress that you should be aware of during the holiday season? Frequent headaches, stiffness in the neck, shoulders, arms, or legs, irregular heartbeats, getting dizzy or lightheaded, suffering from repeated colds or the flu, indigestion, nausea, 
difficulty falling or staying asleep, waking up feeling tired, cold hands or cold feet, excess perspiration, anger or irritability. The holiday season, it can be a major time of stress for so many people. The rubber band, it gets stretched pretty far and then held there. Now maybe some of you, maybe you're feeling the effects right now. And it's no surprise that God's led you here this morning trying to help you understand how to let it go. How to relax in your life. We don't find the term stress anywhere in the Bible. But I do believe that Martha, that she has displayed many of the symptoms of stress for us. Let's quickly look at three things that stress is causing in her life. Under A, Martha, because of her stress, she was distracted. Stress caused Martha to be distracted from the real priority of the day. Let's look at the first part of verse 40 again. It tells us, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? The meaning distracted here is kind of to be pulled away or to be dragged away from something else. The implication here is this, that Martha, she wanted to hear Jesus herself. She wanted to be seated there. She wanted to be seated at his feet too, but she was pulled away with a sense of duty to do these other things that she was doing. She was agonizing about the meal and that robbed her of the joy of serving the Lord. The problem here is, in Martha's case is this, it didn't lie in the work that she was doing. It was in her attitude toward her work. The attitude she was doing it with, that was her problem. Now, Martha's real problem was a problem really of balance in her life. Like Martha, we get so distracted with all the seemingly necessary things in life, especially this time of year, that we miss the point. Some of the things we all make priorities, well, they really aren't priorities in our life. And by focusing on these things, these things in our life that are of lesser importance, we miss some of the things that are most important in our life. That's what happens far too often in the church today. And I mean, even when it's not even Christmas time, you see, the world has so many things to offer people, so many things that can distract people from coming to church, from worshiping with His people, so many things that grab our time and attention away that are replacing God's priorities out there with the world's priorities. Whether it's ball games, maybe it's family outings, maybe it's home improvement projects, maybe it's just sleeping in because, you know, I, I got to get up early every other day. So many things can distract us from what's really important. They creep into our lives and they begin to replace the things, replace gathering together with the Lord's people on the Sabbath. The facts are that today, many people are overworked. So many people are overworked. We work too many hours. We do. In his book, First Things First, if you ever read that book, Stephen Covey, he comments in there about the unrealistic expectations of our day when he says this, people expect us to be busy it's become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. It's validating, popular, and pleasing. It's also a good excuse for not dealing with the first things in our lives. Don't let stress, don't let it cause you to get the priorities in the wrong order in your life. Second, under B, we see that stress caused Martha to become angry at others. In the second part of verse 40, Martha, she finally exploded there and she comes stomping out of the kitchen, right? She's red-faced probably and she's furious and she just says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to get out here and help me. You see, our world, it is full of distractions. And the more the pressure, the more tempting it is to focus on the urgent rather than focus on the essential in our life. I truly believe that Martha, that she wanted to honor Jesus in this situation. I even believe that she began her work with the right attitude. I think all of you ladies will identify with what I'm about to say. 
you begin your task for your huge family meal, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever it is, you begin with the greatest amount of enthusiasm to put this together. But as time passes, as it goes along, you come to realize, man, I'm running out of time. I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to get, I got I mean, and, and you cannot possibly ever finish everything now that you plan to do. And when that happens, what happens next? You get angry, right? You get angry at yourself for letting yourself get into that fix in the first place, but then you're angry at everyone else who might have had an opportunity to make a difference in you accomplishing your goals. Martha, she was like that. The harder she worked, the more worked up she became in her situation. Some people, they get burned out in service, but Martha, she was burned up in hers. There's an old song by a man named Del Reeves called Working Like the Devil for the Lord. Here are some of the lyrics for that song. He says, I know a businessman whose day is not complete unless he repossessed a house and put a widow in the streets. He plans to repossess the preacher's beat-up Ford, but he's working like the devil for the Lord. Then in the chorus, this is how that goes. It says, are you working, really working, night and day, working hard? Are you working like the devil for the Lord? Well, I'd hate to be in your shoes when you get your big reward if you're working like the devil for the Lord. As that song, as it rather ironically puts it, Martha, she was working like the devil for the Lord that day. It was bad enough to have everything that she had to do on her list, but it was even worse when she was thinking of someone who she didn't feel was pulling her weight in that situation, someone who had let her down. That's what we see happening to Martha here. She feels she was let down. Her attitude, it wasn't the best in this particular situation. There was a mother preparing for a large Christmas Eve family gathering. She had been barking out orders all day like a drill sergeant. Pick up your clothes. Pick up your toys. Put those things away. You don't need a snack right now. And while her four-year-old daughter, she was at her feet all day long and under her foot. And so she finally said, go into the next room. You go in there and you play with that wooden nativity set in there. And the mother, she scurried on doing the rest of her work, setting up the table. As she was doing that, she overheard her daughter talking to those that sat in the other room in that same tone of voice that that mother used against her. She said, I don't care who you are. You get those camels and you get those camels out of my house. Her daughter's actions while sitting in that other room, it caused that mother to understand that she had been wrong in the way that she was acting. Your author Charles Hummel, in his book, Tyranny of the Urgent, he notes this, tension and frustration mount when we are performing the wrong tasks or trying to cram too many of the right activities into a given period. A critical spirit develops and we begin to judge and condemn others for what they do or don't do. Anytime you feel a wave of criticism gaining momentum in your spirit, remember that it's completely out of line as far as God is concerned. Don't let stress cause you to become angry with others because it will cause something else to happen. Something that was implied in the text here. So you see, not only did Martha get angry, but next we see stress caused Martha to find fault with others. That's under C. Anger and finding fault, they often go together just as it does in this story. Look at the last part of verse 40 again. It says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha, she was rushing around. She was trying to get all of these things done, everything ready. I mean, after all, I mean, Jesus was in the house and everything had to be just perfect because Jesus was there. 
she's thinking, doesn't anybody else care? Doesn't anybody care how busy I am getting all this stuff together? She comes into the room. Maybe she has the hors d'oeuvres going around. And she says, oh, Mary, dear sister, there you are. Don't bother getting up, Mary. And, and Jesus, I wish I could spend more time with you, sit here and chat with you. Like some people are sitting here chatting with you. But you all want some freshly crushed grape juice soon. So I guess I'll just go back out here in the kitchen and I'll, I'll, be, I'll take care of it. I'm, I'm working out there all alone, but I'll, I'll get it done. Did you notice in verse 40, she didn't even call her sister in there by name? Now, perhaps she already had done everything she could think of to attract Mary's attention, to signal her that she needed help. You know, we all have our ways we use, right, to get the message across. You know, some people, <coughs> you know, we, we clear our throats or, you know, maybe it's, hey, some type of attention-getting motion. Maybe your husbands are like me. My wife gives me that look. You know that look, right? That look's a dangerous thing to get. You all know that. That's that nonverbal communication that most wives are good at. That look says to you something you, you did or didn't do or say that you should have done or maybe you shouldn't have done. And that's what they're trying to say to you in that look. There's, and you've got to figure it out. I, I don't know how to do it. Stress, it will often cause you not only to be angry with others, but it will cause you to find fault with them as well. Often because we're, what happens is we're simply trying to do too much. So we put that fault on the other people. I wouldn't be surprised this morning to find out that there's a number of you that have already had heated words with people that you care about in the midst of your holiday preparations. I wouldn't be too surprised to find out that a few of you said you're actually dreading instead of looking forward to these next three weeks this coming Christmas. I wouldn't be too surprised if some of you are right now, you're mentally arranging your to-do list, trying to figure out what you need to do, all these things you have to do, and, while secretly pretending to listen to this sermon. It's a difficult time of year. So how do we handle this stress? How should we deal with, with the stress that may come to us during this holiday season? It really shouldn't be there, understand. But if we begin to feel stressed, how do we handle that? Well, that's what we'll close with this morning. We're going to look at three simple principles for overcoming holiday stress. As we look at them under number two, we're going to look at the holiday cure. In our story, Martha, she was distracted by all that had to be done. Doesn't that sound like us so many times? We're distracted by all the things that we think must get done. Because just like Martha, we too, we can get distracted by all the seemingly necessary things that we think are necessary. We end up missing the point in the end. Peter Drucker in his book, The Effective Executive, he said this, For most of us, the problem is not priorities as much as it is posteriorities. And by this, this is what he means, by what we choose to leave out. That's what he's talking about there. And isn't that the real problem with us, what we choose to leave out? Some of the things that we make the priorities in our life, especially this time of year, aren't really the priorities that we should be focusing on. And by focusing on these priorities, these things of lesser importance, we missed what's most important. So the first thing that we must do under A is this. We must set realistic expectations. You must focus on the necessary. Notice what Jesus tells Martha in verses 41 and 42. He says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, all the things that Martha, that she was doing were good things. They weren't bad things. They weren't evil things. But not all of the things that she was doing were necessary things. There were more important things that she could have been doing at that time. Perhaps all the preparations that you've got planned for Christmas, perhaps they're all good things. But the question is, are they all necessary things? 
the things that we should notice about Martha's predicament is this. No one assigned her all of those duties. Nobody said, okay, Martha, here's your to-do list. Okay, first you've got to do this. And, and, and nobody was sitting there checking off that list as she went down them. You see, she was the one who decided that she was going to do all of these things. She did it to herself. Her plans, they were too elaborate. So Jesus tells Martha in verse 42 that for Mary has chosen the good portion. Or as it says in some translations, Mary has chosen what is better. Jesus, he was pointing out that Martha's choice at that moment, it was not the wisest choice to make. Why? I mean, well, hello. Jesus was in the house. All the preparations, they were all good. But there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary, she was focusing on what was necessary at that given moment. And that was to be with Jesus and to soak in what he had said. Martha was busy doing all these other things and Mary was just soaking in the Lord. We must never be too busy with our outward things that we end up neglecting our quiet and our peaceful worship of the Lord, our times alone with Him each and every day. One of the nights that I really love here at First Baptist is our Christmas Eve service. We have this very intimate time of family communion where the families, they come up together, they take the bread and the juice, they pray together as a family, and then they go back and they sit down. It's a show of unity among family during that time, and we close it out with a candlelight service. It's a time for us just to stop, stop and just worship the Lord worship him together as a family and really focus on the meaning of Christmas don't be like this lady was this woman she was shopping she was at a busy mall people they'd been pushing her and elbowing her and and cutting in front of her all day long hardly able to take it anymore during a 10 minute special where there was 10 percent off the already 25 percent discount on this particular item the woman she grabbed a lace tablecloth and somebody went and grabbed it from her hands she looked that lady straight in the eye she reached for it and grabbed it and said mine and yanked it back she won that round by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, her mood, it was so belligerent. She was at a mall restaurant. And she went there and she met some of her friends. She flagged down a server and said, I need a hot tea now. The lady snapped back at her and said, I'm not your server. Wait your turn. And she left. The lady, she said, I've been waiting all day. You better bring me my tea right now. But the waitress ignored her and kept going on. A few moments later, a young man came over to her table smiling and said, I'm Rob. I'm your waiter. And he took their order. But she noticed as he was getting their order ready that Rob, that he stopped to help this rude waitress with another customer. He helped other customers and he greeted the customers and the waitresses and the waiters with great joy. In the midst of the dozens of hurried shoppers and restaurant staff, you see, he conducted himself in a polite and unhurried atmosphere of calm. When he refilled her tea, she noticed that there was a silver ring on his right hand. It had connected letters on it. And after he walked away, she said to her ladies at the table, did you notice that our server has a ring that spells the name Jesus on it? And from that moment on, her attitude completely changed. This one young man's example had reminded her of the peace of Christ that he can bring, especially during this holiday season. He had apparently spent time with the Lord. So for the rest of her day, she enjoyed shopping. She opened the doors for other people. She let people cut in front of her in the checkout line, all because of this one young man. And she did it all in an atmosphere of calm. How can we be calm in the midst of the stress all around us this time of year? How can we be like Mary and simply focus on what is necessary in our lives? The best thing that you can do for yourself is determine what is really stressing you out. For instance, if something's really stressing you out this time of year, do you absolutely have to do it? Do you absolutely have to make those special cookies that take the whole afternoon to make? Do you absolutely have to put up all those lights, put them all up over the inside and the outside of the house that you did last year? 
We mustn't get so wrapped up in the preparations for Christmas that we have no time for Christ. So let's set some realistic expectations for yourself. And then second under B, decide to make a difference. Focus on those in need. We will enjoy the season much, much more if we simply focus on those who are in need during this holiday season. Do you realize that one of the principles found throughout all of Scripture is the principle that God's people are to help those in need? It's found in many places, but I've chosen one, two verses in Deuteronomy to kind of make my point with. Look at Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. Look what it says there. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. How can we focus on those in need? Here are some suggestions for you. Participate in the Angel Tree program. Now, we're going to get some names on this tree up here. Tana's got them ready. She just hasn't got them up here yet. All the kids that come to our church are going to have their names on that tree. You need to take one or two or three or whatever you can handle, whatever you can take care of. Take it from that tree. Let Tana know which ones you took so we can follow up and make sure we get them all back in time for Christmas. Take those and make sure all of these children here get something good to open and celebrate on this coming Christmas. Number two, you could visit someone who's lonely or just can't get out and about. Maybe you go there. Maybe you sing them a Christmas carol. Maybe you deliver a pie or some cookies or something nice to them. Number three, how about forgive someone who has treated you wrong? They need forgiveness and you need to forgive. Number four, surprise someone by apologizing if you were wrong. They need to hear it and you need to do it. Here's one other suggestion for you. Number five, tell someone that may not know how they've blessed your life. They need that encouragement. You can make a difference this Christmas. And you can keep those times of stress. Keep them from visiting you this Christmas season. If you will focus on those in need. Focus on the priorities of life. Probably the most important principle you can follow to survive the holiday season is this. Under C, remember the reason for the season. Focus on Jesus. Martha was so busy serving Jesus, she forgot to spend time with Jesus. You see, we can get so busy, busy with our preparations for Christmas, our participation in Christmas and all the things that are going on, the parades, the shows, the concerts, that we end up forgetting to spend time with Jesus during this Christmas season. But Mary, Mary in this story, Mary was just a little bit different, wasn't she? Look at verse 39 again. And she, now this was Martha here. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. For every Christian, for every child of God, for all of those who know that we've all been saved by grace through faith in Christ's atoning work on the cross, it should be easy for us to remember why we celebrate Christmas, to remember the reason for the season. But we still have a tendency to be like Martha in our earthly life. We get caught up in the busyness, the busyness of Christmas, all the things that have to get done. And then what happens is we forget about the priority, priority that Christmas should have in our life. For others, Christmas is a time of year that reminds them that there's something that they're missing. Christmas only reminds them of their spiritual emptiness. Back in the days when service station attendants, when they actually filled your car with gas when you were there, there was a preacher who was waiting in line to get his car filled up with gas. It's a holiday weekend. There was a long line. The attendant worked quickly, but there was many cars ahead of, at the service station. Finally, the attendant motioned the pastor up to the vacant pump. The attendant recognized the preacher there, and he said to him, I'm sorry about your wait, but it just seems that everyone waits for the last minute to get ready for this long trip. <laughs> the preacher just kind of chuckled and replied, I know what you mean. 
It's the same in my business too. Friends, the holidays don't have to be the most stressful time of year. When we, like Mary, when we focus on what is most needed. Let me just close with this. On that night, the night that Jesus was born, angels from heaven, they announced in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Don't let the celebration of this most peace-filled night in earth's history turn into the most stressful time of year for you. I want you to read this song with me together. It's Silent Night. Let's read this together. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round John virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Church, don't wait too long to place your hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed and thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.